Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Dean Duncan and DJ Beetroot are teenage pals from Glasgow who embark on a character-building camping trip based on a real-life program known as the Duke of Edinburgh's Award, where foraging, teamwork, and orienteering are the order of the day. Eager to cut loose and smoke weed in the Scottish Highlands, the trio find themselves paired with a straight-laced Ian, a fellow camper, determined to play by the rules. After veering off-path into a remote farmland that's worlds away from the comfort of their urban environment, the boys find themselves hunted down by a shadowy force hell-bent on extinguishing their future. This very funny film is called Get Duped, and we're joined today by the writer and the director of that, and that would be Ninian Doff. Ninian is making his feature debut after a slew of award-winning music videos, short films for such artists as Run the Jewels, Chemical Brothers, Mike Snow, and many others. Ninian Dove, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you very much. Uh, real pleasure to be here and be uh, talking to yourself and all your listeners. Thank you. Well, first of all, uh, I had a lot of fun with this. Uh, I really enjoyed the energy of it. I enjoyed the point of view. I, I thought there's a lot going on here in this in a, a comedy. It feels like it's more. There's more to it uh, than just a, a fun ride. But tell me what inspired you to uh, to write and direct Get Duped. Um, the inspiration um, sort of came from there's sort of two uh, places. One was almost incredibly silly, and one was incredibly serious, and and sort of quite fun to squash these two themes together. So the incredibly silly was I just some re- you know where do ideas come from? But I was thinking about the Duke of Edinburgh Award, which is this real thing. It's been going since the 1950s in Britain, and really teenagers who aren't you know particularly well skilled in it put on backpacks, have camping and cooking equipment, and go out into the wilderness and sort of you know stay a few nights out out in the wilds. And it's such you know it's a fun setup for for a teenage movie. You know it's not high school. It's not a end of your party it's like a really good reason to put them in this challenging uh, circumstance and so the silly was essentially was like four teenagers on the duke of edinburgh award and they think they're being hunted by a duke right and i was like oh so you know sort of fun comedy horror and then and then when i say that was with the serious i also it was really written exactly in the wake of you know in the uk brexit and then of course around the world so, you know a lot of uh, political um uh, I guess, you know, frustration and, and really feeling quite heartbroken at a certain point um, about how arrogantly uncaring it seemed that um, the kind of politicians were being about the state of the world, the state of potential futures for the generation before them. It seemed so self-centered, so short-sighted, really just about the next, you know, 15 years max, ignoring what, what the next 25, 50 years looks like. So the next idea on the bit of paper was almost to turn that into like a, a, a revenge movie, a generational revenge movie. And I had this idea that traditionally in horror films, the teenagers, especially if you think of like a slasher film or something, they run obligingly away from the baddie screaming. And I, and I was thinking, well, in, in the current landscape, the current world, the teenagers would, should, but also probably would 
stop and turn around and be like, wait a minute, there's four of us and there's only one of them. Like, why are we running from bad guys? Screw these guys. And they charge from the bad guys. And I had this idea of what the, it was like reverse home invasion. So the bad guys are stuck inside a house screaming while the bat, you know, the, the teenagers are smashing on the door and the bad guys are going, why, why won't the youth of today just let us kill them? Like, what is wrong with them? This is, this is so, this is unacceptable. Like awful. What terrible attitudes. And that was really like, that was, and it's funny, often your initial ideas actually get so morphed they don't exist in the final film. But I mean, that scene quite literally ends up in the film. That was, yeah. but it was their page, very first blank page of ideas was basically those two ideas. And, and then looking at that page and I sort of said them out loud to someone, someone whose opinion I trust a lot. And they were kind of like, yeah, yeah, I, that's a, I think there's a, I think that's like, there's quite a lot of fun stuff going on there. So turned into the script. By the way, for an American audience, the reference—I mean, this is kind of a, a Boy Scouts outing, sort of of sorts, sort of in the in the in the in the same vein that uh, a Boy Scout goes out to get a merit badge. They go out on a camping expedition. It's so for people yeah, who are it's you know, kind of schools, one. and it's um, it, you sort, I mean, there's a joke in the film where they say, you know, what do we get for this? And like, the only kid who cares about it is like, oh, well, you get you get a laminated certificate, and they're like, what? Like that for all of this? Thinking the rewards much better. And, to be honest, that's kind of based on reality. Like this whole thing exists. And it doesn't ask. Um, it doesn't just ask for the hiking element. It's actually also like fifty hours community service, fifty hours sport, fifty hours skills, or something. It's all this huge, like trying to build a rounded character stuff. And yeah, you know, you know, what you get at the end of it, you literally do get a certificate. That's it. <laughs> Once you had the idea, you put it down on paper, and then you're starting to sort of figure out who's going to be in it. Tell me a little bit about the character development that went into these characters. Forget yeah, there. well, it's, a, it's an interesting one, and actually, to be honest, a little bit of a tightrope walk that was a bit scary in a way as a director. In that, I'm purposefully, on, on the one hand, playing a lot with genre and even knowing tropes, and then hoping to sort of you know mess with them or update them, or or in the case of you know the home invasion, flip it completely on its head, and so. In that world, I was sort of purposefully leaning into somewhat known character tropes. You know what I mean? There's the sheltered kid. There's the yeah. the dumb kid, inverted commas. The um, you know the anarchic kid, the wild one. And but then in this sort of slight theme of um, generational conflict, let's say, or, or establishment, I, w- I was enjoying playing with that. That that's almost the pigeonholing. So the kid who's you know the comedic fodder for being stupid. It's more that that's what, you know, the world and the educational system have pigeonholed this kid as stupid, but maybe all his wild ideas are great. You know, the kid who's um, a waster, it's really because that's, you know, the world he's, has told him he's that. So it was fun to, in a way, I'm playing with very broad strokes about who these characters are in quite an um, unsubtle way, let's say. And then hopefully the subtleties come out from how they themselves are unpicking and realizing the sort of stereotypes they themselves are inhabiting, if that makes sense, which, mm-hmm. which is fun to write, but also quite scary because if it goes the wrong way, then everything's just a cliche. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I just had so much fun, and I play against type. I mean, particularly with our main characters, but also the the farmers that we encounter along the way. I thought that was a great take on just that you know an older culture of farmers, sort of back to the earth kind of people, who uh, are very connected to the earth. No, no, no. I was going to say that's true. Actually, it's funny because talk about a lot of people talk about the uh, the sort of generational rivalry at the heart of this film. But what they tend to forget is that there's also a whole bunch of old people who are the coolest, most positive people in the world, which is the Scottish farmers is like actually, you know, the best scene that you could ever stumble into. It beats, you know, any nightclub on earth. So it's not, it's not sweepingly uh, 
no. one-sided in its critique. <laughs> no, it, it's, well, that's what make that's for me the distinguishing characteristic between um, satire and really well-developed satire is that you can have you can have two thoughts in your head at the same time when you're when you're right, yeah, attacking something like this, and that in fact for me speaking of that is the, for me the centerpiece of the film is is the the raps uh get duked and the in the it's basically about the middle of the film i just yeah. loved i just loved everything about it first of all i love the song i love i love the approach i love the the kind of the way things turned in in once that uh, dj beetroot is in the uh the barn with them and also just the fun you had visually with this and i think this is probably where some of your musical video sure. background came in it's just a really cool scene so Am I wrong to say that's kind of a centerpiece of the film? For, for uh... oh, completely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was. I remember. Sometimes you you do remember key points in a in a creative process. And I I remember having this story and having these threads and 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 knowing they had to come together. Like I sort of set that up narratively that everyone was going to split up and we're going to bring them in. But probably my rough outline I was working on, or you know, sort of scribbled notes were you know conventional for want of a better term. And then as I was writing it, I just I sort of, I remember literally kind of giggling to myself as it dawned on me that I was going to make the most important narrative sort of accumulation take place within the format of a ridiculous music video, which what pleases me greatly is, is when you, but yeah, when you have a chance to just do something that no one was expecting and that, and that was just such a fun way of doing what would otherwise, you know, still be successful, but probably conventional. And this is now like actually really joyous. And it was also like you say, it's this thing of, I come from music videos and I really care about music videos. The ones I've made for me, that was my way of finding my voice and my tone and my skill set was all actually through my music videos. And so rather than my sort of debut feature being a, uh, like I'm now a serious filmmaker and I, you know, I've moved on from that. Instead, <laughs> I sort of appreciated almost writing like a little love letter to music videos that got me to this stage. And, and also though, get, you know, the thing with music videos is the normally, especially the commercials world loves plagiarizing music videos. So it was a pleasure for me to plagiarize myself. I was able to just rip off my own back catalog across the board, which was really satisfying. Well, it's just, it's infectious. It's funny. It makes the, makes so many different points along the way in terms of just the execution of it. And visually, it's just beautiful to watch. So I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. There are other, there are other scenes that I would say that, you know, are equally as accomplished, but that's the one that just sort of jumped out at me. Um, I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with the writer and the director of this terrific film that Get Duked is coming out on Amazon Prime you should definitely check it out. And I really can, cannot go any further without talking about a wonder, what a wonderful cast this is, including the incredible Eddie Izzard. Eddie Izzard is just is fantastic. Do we want to give away his actual title in the, in the film or who he is? Or is it, oh, we sure, I think it's fine. You know, it's one of the, there's, there's certain things in the trailer that I insisted they couldn't show, but um, you know, Eddie is, Eddie is, is the titular, is that the right word? Titular? <laughs> yeah, I think he's he the Duke. Yeah, as a sort of um, wearing what I think he called like an inverted mask of Zorro, where he's got like the eyepiece of a Zorro mask, but it's, it's, it's sort of human, well, not human skin, but it's like a, another mask on top of a mask of that, um, hunting our teenagers and shouting at them in the way that, only Eddie Izzard's sort of inimitable voice can. So, yeah. 
He is such a good, he delivers lines as well as anybody. He really has a cadence in the way he speaks and the way he sort of emphasizes yeah. some words over others. I, not, not only is he a fantastic stand-up, amazing stand-up comic, mm. but he also is yeah. a really good actor. He's a, and so, and he, and he has mm. so much fun with this role, as well as Georgie Glenn. Georgie Glenn. Yes, Georgie Glenn the is, Duchess, uh, yeah, who's also cool. incredible. I mean, yeah. Good. Yeah, well, I think they were able to slightly feed off each other in a fun way like that. So, so yeah, I mean, Eddie is this, you know, a, a literal hero of mine. We mentioned it when we sort of started this call, but Dressed to Kill was um, uh, like a as important to me as sort of you know when I was when I was growing up, I watched it as many times as I watched like a Scorsese movie or a, or a Tarantino film. Right? It was you know I destroyed that VHS yourself as well. <laughs> you quote it off by heart, and he brings you know he's got the the politics he jokes about class in the same way as this film does in his stand-up and he uh and 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 then he also has the presence and the humor and so when he came on board it was it's really mind-blowing kind of the thing i didn't believe until the day that he was on set and we we're like there he is uh, and and you're right and his delivery is so interesting there's there's a moment in the film it's subtle it's one that only i really appreciate but there's a moment where he just swears he's being chased and he pauses and he sees he's still being chased and he goes oh for sake and he runs on and i just watched that in the edit where i go there is no one on earth who can who could deliver that line in this and that's the eddie Izzard, like yeah. that's that magic in his dialogue it's so funny and every you know every time an audience watch it they all laugh and i'm like you know there's a this was a very swear word heavy film scotch film you can't <laughs> swear your head off but he brings the house down just by swearing once more time but it's that it's his rhythm you know you can't you can't fake that it's it, that natural rhythm that a, you know, true comedian and great actor has, yeah. Yeah, he, he, he could, if he's not, if he doesn't already sing, he has the cadence and the delivery of a singer in, in the way he does. And he does his lines. And uh, by the way, uh, you know, speaking of Dress to Kill, the first time I've ever heard uh, Adolf Hitler referred to as Nazi shithead. And to this day, this is still... <laughs> I still, I still laugh when I hear that yeah, Nazi yeah, shit. Yeah. But anyway, uh, you have a flag is like <laughs> it stays in my head for, for my whole life. And what you're saying on the cast, though, actually, Georgie Glenn is great to talk about because you know there is a there's a double acts in this film. To be honest, there's, well, there's the four boys who are a four and some they double. There's the police, Kate uh, Dick and yes. Duffy being a double act, and then there's the Duke and the Duchess, and and almost as Eddie Izzard played the Duke in his sort of um stuffy entitled arrogant um you know sort of english aristocratic way it almost i think it gave permission for georgie glenn to really bring the bonkers fear factor you know if he was buttoned up she can go double wild you know if he was going wild then she'd have to find a different note but because he plays it quite straight and bottled up you know i had georgie glenn sort of screeching owl calls as she, <laughs> she wanders through the dusk and that was a pleasure too, and so so much credit to her because I could see that she'd sort of, you know, she's she's very, uh, you know, very experienced, um, amazing sort of credits, uh, great actors, and and I could just see that she'd almost made that choice as she saw how Eddie was playing it. She it gave her license to sort of double down on the madness. <laughs> and, and and there's something so polite about the horror in the film of uh, the at the end, especially at the end. When they're going to get a group shot of the of the hunting party, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just you know this is so this is a like I said it's very funny and and I'll, I will just say this and maybe I am grossly stereotyping here, but uh, the British have such an amazing 
uh, capacity for satire. And I mean, you can go back to Jonathan Swift, you know, but I mean, just moving forward. And I, I, Armando Iannucci, I think is an absolute yeah. genius. And, and when I think of people who are good at satire, there are so many different uh, examples, Monty Python, there are mm. just so many that are really good at puncturing this class distinctions and, yeah. and, 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 and how truthful they can be in humor. And this is in that tradition, truly. I think, thank you. Thank you so much. And I think, yeah, I think satire and, and dark humor is, is really ingrained in our culture and in our humor. And it's, yeah, it's funny. Unlike maybe some other cultures, it's almost, it's almost a day-to-day -day given that you are really irreverent about authority in a way and about the status quo and the system and just in how you joke and how you tell jokes in your, in your normal life, I think, is a natural part of our humor and our almost coping mechanism. And you're right, it's gone on for... I mean, yeah, centuries in a way in our in our culture. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, those names you mentioned. Yeah, I wonder if it's because uh, the an extended period of time with an empire and and monarchy, and that and then how that contrasts with everyday life for most people in Britain. If that has sort of built up this sort of uh, muscle, if you will, uh, yeah. of the ability to puncture power, and because you. you <laughs> You're good at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, like, it's, you know, it's all, it's actually, you know, if we go back to Ed Izzard, what, let's just bring it back to that uh, iconic set. He starts that, he's speaking to an American audience. He says, hello, I'm from Europe. That's where history comes from. And everyone laughs. But it's, um, it's sort of true in that there's, you know, unlike, you know, the cultures, the problem with that's where history comes from is you're living still in the shadows of, ideas and structures that are from like 1300 or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, is there yeah, anything yeah. more ridiculous than the royal family? And the fact that my, you know, not, I'm, not, I'm not wildly anti-royalist, but the fact that my taxes pay for some mad people to live in a castle is surreal that that's the state in 2020. Like that, like if you just sit down and think about that, you go, well, that, that's a joke, right? Like, why is that still going? You know, and you're like, well, it's just, you know, that is the royal family. You know, like, this is how it is. And you're like, yeah, okay, that's sort of strange when you start breaking it down, isn't it? That, that I have to pay for her curtains, you know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, we, we, <laughs> that's probably why. It was just the amount of history sitting, we're sitting all on top of and trying to deal well, with. <laughs> I really thoroughly enjoyed Get Duked. And this is your first film, and I seriously mean when I say keep going, keep doing this. I hope you enjoyed it enough to want to continue. And yeah, Nitty and Doff, thank you. Writer, director, get duped, watch it, see it, and uh, come back anytime. I really appreciate your time today. Amazing. Thanks for the support. Great challenge here. Really had a lot of fun. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.